Non-rock-a-boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yes! Yes! What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got, yeah. I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when no. they're not. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Apologia Radio. We are slightly shorthanded today, uh, but I'm going to actually start off with the verse, which I meant to start with. <laughs> I was uh, going to ask you yeah, about forgot. the verse. You know, it's we're just going to roll with it. It's one of those days. One of those days. It's fine. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Hi, Joy. Hello. How are you? Good. Good. How are you doing? I'm good. We're good. We're all good here. So, Pastor Jeff is uh, somewhere on his way to South Carolina right now. Mm -hmm. I don't even know where he's at. Somewhere. He might even be in the air. He might be in an airport somewhere. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. (laughs) But he's on his way to South Carolina for a rally this weekend. So, we've announced this for a while, but we do have an abortion now slash action for life rally. In Columbia, South Carolina, at the Capitol, I believe it's Saturday. I should probably know the that. The 5th. It's, which is which Saturday, is Saturday, right? Saturday. Yep, okay. Yep. Yep. See, I did know. Uh, that is Saturday. Um, and uh, if you're in the area at all, please come support us. Support the bill we got going on there to uh, criminalize ab- abortion immediately. And so it's just Joy and I today. Mm-hmm. Our friends are gone. Our friends are all gone. I tried to get Pastor Zach on again, yeah, but he had say. better things to do pastoral things yeah which i come first yeah he's meeting with some jaeger <laughs> so i don't know what about but <laughs> and it's not summer either not just some jaeger not some jaeger. summer jaeger. <laughs> yeah not summer jaeger let's, let's clarify that uh <laughs> anywho uh it's gonna be a fun show today i am very very excited um about our guest today so i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and introduce him and then i'm gonna tell the story of how this all came, came together because to me it's fascinating it may not be to you but um <laughs> hey, our guest today is jeremy stallnecker hey brother uh, welcome to the show i'm glad to have you on thanks great to be with you guys um so what is your actual position at mighty oaks uh, I'm the uh, executive director. I've been a lot of different things, but uh, I run our programs and our administration. Sweet. So I'm going to let him uh, explain that, what a Mighty Oaks is in a minute. Uh, so kind of a little history to this show. 
um when was it when were you first on cross politic oh man probably three years ago that's what i was <laughs> yeah, it's thinking it's been a while yeah it's been a while so i actually heard the episode that he was on jeremy was on cross politic about three years ago and i was like oh man i love what this guy's saying i gotta get him on and so so gabe wrench and i have been going back and forth for three years <laughs> and he keeps he keeps telling me hey man you got to get jeremy on i was like yeah i know i want to it's just it's a matter of just you know scheduling shows and stuff sure. and so so he's been like this last fall he was really really pushing me and uh so kind of how this went down is ever since we got connected with the Navy SEALs this in mm-hmm. September, I have gone down this. I mentioned this last week, but yeah. I've gone down this rabbit hole of watching interviews with Navy SEALs, which I love. Um, it can It's a rabbit hole, though. Some of them are like five and a half hours long. And, you know, three days later, I'm still on the same interview. Like, um, but <laughs> fa- I just love them. I love them. They're, they just get me all kinds of fired up and. And I'm going to talk about a theme later on what that I've pulled from those interviews. But um, so, well, I guess it was well, about the second week of January, like our whole church got on the crud. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so for like four or five days, I just literally did nothing but sit in my bed and watch Navy SEAL interviews. Um, when I say I went down the rabbit hole, I mean, I went full on. You really did. I it. dove in. Yep. Head first. And uh, so there was. uh Into the. You dove into the trenches. Maybe that's yeah. more appropriate. Well, I mean, seals are in the water too, so right. could do be... they go in rabbit holes? I don't know. It's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good question. Uh, I guess if they had to, yeah. I mean, they go they down all kinds like, of holes. No, yeah, I don't. I don't do rabbit holes. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll do a hole in Afghanistan from ISIS, but not a rabbit hole. Mm-mm. Um, so I watched the Bud 234 documentary for probably the fourth time when I was sick. And I think that came out in 2001 or something. It's, I don't even know what that is. So that is, so Bud's is the, uh, basic underwater demolition school. Oh, okay. So that's like the, the entry level, uh, program they have to go into to Okay. qualified to be a seal. so it's a documentary about that yeah yeah okay so it goes through the whole Sounds i think it's cool. like 10 weeks or something i love it i mean i've watched like i said i've watched it this was like my fourth time i think so one of the main guys that they focus on i mean this was like a real buds class uh-huh. um one of the guys that they focus on his name's luis rivera and uh so i'm watching through here and you know like i said he's he's one of the main guys throughout the thing and then at the end, I get done watching it again, and then I see this interview pop up on YouTube with Luis Rivera and Mike Glover, uh, who was an uh, actually I think he was a Green Beret, um, but he's he's got a podcast and all this stuff. So I'm watching this, and it's it's at the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Actually, it's probably in front of it's probably yeah. in that same spot. I think it was him. actually, yeah, yeah, I think it was. <laughs> and uh, so I'm watching it, and and at the, while I'm watching it, I'm like, man, this guy sounds like a Christian. Everything he's saying, he sounds like a Christian. Yeah. And I'm like getting all excited. And then like, why do I know the name Mighty Oaks? Like, I just keep, <laughs> I just keep like, that sounds so familiar to me. And then all of a sudden everything clicked. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's right. Mighty Oaks is Jeremy. Gabe's been trying to hook me up with them. And sure enough, Luis Rivera is a Christian. And I believe came to Christ through Mighty Oaks and works for them now. Um, and so that's kind of the background cool. to all this. So I literally... When all that clicked, I immediately texted Gabe Wrench and was like, um, I, I need to make this happen. 
So I think Jeremy and I talked like the next day or something. It was like pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. I think we had already been on a text thread actually. Yeah, I, we had been connected yeah. somehow, but then we got on the phone and yeah, yeah. So so that kind of brings us to how we, we got the show going. Um, so Jeremy, I'm just gonna let you right now just tell everyone about Mighty Oaks, what you do with sure. them, what they what the program does, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, awesome. No, I appreciate it. Uh, Luis is awesome. If you haven't gone and watched those interviews, you need to check those out. Luis is. Uh, I think we're going to talk about identity later. Yeah. Um, he's a guy who really embodies lost identity and then finding identity in Christ. So it's, it's an awesome story. Um, yeah, Mighty Oaks Foundation, we were founded at the end of 2011, really to help those veterans who have transitioned out of the military. Uh, you remember 2011, kind of the height of the, the war in, uh, in Afghanistan, still dealing with things in Iraq. We had a lot of folks coming home and just absolutely lost. Uh, mm. Veteran suicide rates were extremely yeah. high. And uh, our founder, Chad Robichaux, uh, Force Recon guy, did eight um, uh, combat tours in Afghanistan, came home a mess. You can find videos about his testimony as well on uh, online. Um, but in the process of that, he was introduced to a Christian guy who led him to Christ and then mentored him in biblical manhood, what it means to be a man And he would tell you that in the process of that, he was able to move beyond the post-traumatic stress and the trauma and so many of these things that had controlled his life, just about ended his marriage. And when he he went through all of that personally, he looked around and said, why isn't anyone sharing this with with other veterans who are coming home? And so um, it's actually, you know, pretty interesting. Um, Similar to Jeff, Chad has a background in mixed martial arts, um, fought in some pretty big promotions. He is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. He's been training jiu-jitsu for, you know, 35 years or something. So we had a jiu-jitsu school in Houston, closed the school down, moved to Colorado, invited some veterans to come up and spend some time with them and started teaching some of the principles that he had learned. Uh, he and I connected at that time. He had military background, of course, and because of his fighting and, and the rest of it, a lot of veterans wanted to come and be a part of what he was a part of. Um, I was pastoring at the time. I had been in the Marine Corps. I was in, the, in Iraq in 2003, um, transitioned out of the Marine Corps, became a pastor. And Chad and I met at kind of the right time. He said, hey, why don't you come help me figure out how to put a program together? And, uh, and that's what we did. And we've been doing that ever since. And um, I could spend a lot of time talking about what we do. But in a nutshell, we help men and women who either are veterans active duty service members, now more and more from the first responder community, police and fire, help them to understand how to move beyond the trauma in their lives. And that could be combat trauma. It could be trauma related to their service as police officers, firefighters. It may be family trauma. A lot of the folks that attend our programs uh, are really dealing with things that started as children, uh, whether it's sexual abuse, sexual trauma, you know, some of those things, family traumas. And then you know, transitioning out of the military, a loss of identity, bad decisions on the other side of that. And so we help them understand that what they've been through, what they've done, what they've experienced does not define who they are. Mm. And we do that by bringing them to one of our facilities. We have uh, four facilities across the country. They'll spend a week with us. And instead of approaching, you know, PTSD and, and those things from a clinical perspective, which they all have access to clinical help, we approach that from a biblical perspective. Mm. What does the Bible say about how we were created? Is there a creator? And if there is, what does that mean for our lives? How can we move forward with purpose and meaning? And uh, man, it's been crazy. We've had just over 4,000 people attend one of those week-long programs. Wow. And um, 
just the change that happens. So many of the folks who attend, people think faith-based, well, that must mean that everyone who comes is a Christian. Yeah. Uh, most people are not. In fact, most of them end up at one of our sessions, one of our programs, because they've tried everything else right. and have nowhere else to go. Um, and so they may hate God. They may not believe in God. They may have had you know bad experience with church or religion or however they would say that in the past, but they need help and they don't know what else to do. So they end up with us. And it's very much peer to peer. We have a, a room full of people similar to them. So that that facade, that wall that people put up, that is, you don't know what it's like to be me, to have experienced what I've experienced. Don't talk to me. And a lot of veterans are kind of that way. Yeah. They're now in a room where everyone has experienced something similar. All of our instructors have come through our program. They've also then gone through our leadership training process. It takes about a year. And so it's it's very much peer-to-peer. It's very much, I don't have it all figured out, but I'm a little further down the road than you are. And I want to help you take the first steps to move forward. And uh, God's blessed, and we've seen some incredible things happen. And then beyond that, we've written you know a number of books and put a lot of resources together. Uh, we do a lot of um, you know video stuff and testimonials, that kind of thing to help. And then speak to active duty units and veterans conferences. We've spoken to uh, probably close to 200,000 people over the last 10 years or so um, in those conference settings, talking mm-hmm. about tr- trauma, what it is, what it isn't, spiritual resiliency, how to move forward, and those kind of things. So uh, in a nutshell, that's it. And God's been very good to us. And we meet people like Luis, as you mentioned, and, mm-hmm. and so many others. Yeah. Amazing. Praise God for that. Um, what is the meaning behind Mighty Oaks? Um, yeah. So in Isaiah 61, um, it's it's a paraphrase, but it talks about those who are in the ashes becoming oaks of righteousness or mm. trees of righteousness. And um, you know, Chad would tell you when he and his wife, Kathy, were, were talking about what to call this thing they wanted to do, they looked at their own lives and said, really, we were in a, you know, a burning heap and God has turned that into something. And, and we would like to see that happen with others. And so, awesome. um, yeah, it's really a picture of what God can do in a life that seems hopeless and broken. Very, very cool. Yeah. Um, so is this program free or did, does it cost something or how does that work? Yeah. So we, again, we've been blessed and, and God's opened incredible doors and great connections and relationships. So we're able to provide the program absolutely free. It doesn't Amazing. cost anything to attend. And you know, we made a decision a long time ago. Some people push back on it. <laughs> we made a decision a long time ago. The people that we want to help are people who probably don't want to attend a program like ours. Right. So we're going to remove every barrier. All they need is a week. So we pay for Love travel. It. We cover everything. There is zero cost to the person who attends. Amazing. And where yeah. are the four uh, locations at? Do you have-, have a place? Yeah, we have a place in... Uh, Kind of our flagship, if you will, is in uh, Northern Central California, depending. If you're from California, you'll call it Central California. But uh, up in the San Luis Obispo area, Paso Robles, uh, we have a ranch there that uh, we use. Um, Then in Junction, Texas, which is about an hour outside of San Antonio, we have a facility. There's a place in um, the town of Zanesville, Ohio. I don't know if you know Ohio, but it's outside of Columbus, Ohio. Okay. And then uh, one place in Haymarket, Virginia, Northern Virginia. Okay. And uh, from time to time, we'll do kind of like one-off programs. You know, there'll be a facility that opens and we'll go and do a program there. But for the most part, it's those four locations. And part of the reason, and again, this is God, part of the reason we're able to cover the cost of the programs and all of those things is because each one of those locations allows us to have as many weeks of programming as we'd like to at those locations, and they're incredible. Go on our website, you can see pictures, um, at no cost to us. So we don't pay to use the facility. 
in uh, most cases, we also don't pay for the food during the week and the wow. food's incredible. Um, each one of those, the owners of those properties have just said, we want God to use it. And if you know, God can use it, then we'll pay for it. So, Amazing. so it's been, yeah, it's been incredible. And you're in Texas, correct? I am based in Southern California. Oh, okay. Our headquarters, yeah, our headquarters is in in uh, the Woodlands, right outside of Houston, Texas. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, but uh, we're kind of spread out all over the place. We okay. got people everywhere. <laughs> gotcha. So, I mean, obviously, you you are able to make this happen through donations. So, how how does that how does fundraising work for you guys? Yeah, I mean, the simplest thing is people find out about us. They go to our website, um, and there's a place to give on there. We have, um, you know, many many monthly supporters, people who give $25, give $20, give what they can. And then we've had some larger donors come along who have um, underwritten entire weeks of programs, wow. um, you know, and a lot of other things. So uh, we're always out um, raising money. And that's, you know, it's funny, people, they kind of talk bad about raising money and look down on that. But yeah. what that enables us to do is then offer the program to as many yeah. uh, men and women that would like to attend at no cost, again, for the program or travel. Right. And so, um, it's just the generosity of people. We're, we're, we're in a good time in America as it relates to veterans. Um, you know, we're not in v the Vietnam era. We're not in the eighties where things were, you know, kind of a mess in the military and the public's perception of that. We're living at a time where people really do appreciate the military and, mm. and, um, they're putting their money where their mouth is, so to speak. Awesome. And that's been yeah. an incredible blessing to so many people. Well, Hey, we, I mean, we understand those trials. I mean, that's the same thing we try to do with right. an abortion now is, yeah, it's absolutely. completely funded. Right. So yeah. everything we do is free. The same, like literally the same thing you said is we don't right. want there to be any barriers or hindrances to someone going out and, and saving babies. So yeah. we, we make sure it's completely covered. All of our travel to all these rallies, everything is covered by donations. So I completely. It's, and that's awesome. And, and I'll say to your point there, there are people who would be skeptical about that or would put push back on that. And, you know, there are a lot of nonprofits and churches and organizations that have not done us any favors in that regard. Um, but when you're looking at churches, organizations who are doing something, get behind them financially. God puts those resources in our hands so that we can steward them. Yeah. And uh, those resources should steward them. We believe we're saving lives. Certainly in abortion now is saving lives. And uh, there's no better place to put, you know, those financial resources that God's given to you. Amen. Yeah. I appreciate that. We, we have a couple guys, ex-Marines, they were actually wanting to start, they had a whole business plan wanting to start something mm -hmm. similar to what you guys are doing. So they are going to be specifically very excited about this episode. Um, but just just curious, um, just so like people listening know, like can you tell me like what the average cost per person is for one of these weeks? So like like what is when people are giving, like what are, yeah. what does that look like? When we ask for uh scholarships, so you know, a lot of our fundraising is based on a scholarship. This is what it costs to get one person through the program. It's yeah. about twenty five hundred dollars a person per okay. week. And again, that's that's the program, that's the food, uh, that's the travel, that's the staff that we have there. About twenty five hundred dollars a week. Right so on. we round it twenty five hundred dollars, but yeah. it's you know more or less. But yeah. that's that's about right. Well, I mean, I mean that's totally, totally reasonable. That's pretty sounds pretty bare bones. So including travel, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, so one one question I have because before we get too far into this, watching all these seal interviews one of the questions they always ask because you said you were in iraq 2003 so 9 11 were you did that cause you to go into the marines or were you already in no i was uh i was already commissioned in fact i was on the rifle range. It's a, i think it's a funny story no one ever laughs when i tell it but i think it's funny so i'll tell it anyhow 
I was, uh, so I was an infantry officer. I was, I served with first battalion, fifth Marines for your Marine listeners. And, um, I was on the rifle range qualifying our whole battalion was qualifying and we got the news that, you know, everything ha- had happened in, um, in New York. So we're out there doing this thing. One of the Marines walked up to me and he said, Hey, sir, what is this going to mean for us? And, you know, I was 24 at the time. So clearly I knew everything about sure. everything yeah. geopolitically and right. so forth. And so, uh, I have a criminal justice degree after all. So I have a pretty deep knowledge <laughs> of these things. And so I said, don't worry about it. Nothing's going to happen. This will be a special operations thing, strategic strikes. And coming out of the 90s, that's how we we responded to things, right? And so, like, this won't mean anything for us. About a year later, we're standing in Kuwait, getting ready to cross the border into Iraq. Wow. That Marine walked by. He's like, nothing, huh? Right? <laughs> this is, yeah, I'm like, yeah, well, I guess I was wrong about that. So, Oh, man. Were you um, at Pendleton? I was at Camp Pendleton. Yeah. 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 And uh, I still live about 45 minutes from there now. So, okay. Um, yeah. So I was in the Marine Corps already. I, I went into the Marine Corps for, um, I don't know, patriotic reasons. My dad was actually a pastor, started a church. I grew up in a very patriotic, very conservative home and, and knew I didn't want to be in ministry because the one thing you know when your parents are in ministry is that you don't want to be in ministry. That was yeah. the conclusion I came to. Good old PK. <laughs> and, uh, but here I am. And so I, I pastored and I've done a lot of other things since then, but, awesome. um, but the Marine Corps was my path. So how yeah. long, how long did you serve? I went in in 1996 and uh, left in uh, July of 2003. I had some reserve time on the other side of that, okay. but uh, that was basically my time. Right on. Well, thank you for your service. Uh, do you want those to... PKs are really a different breed? I was they just are. trying to explain <laughs> that. I, to I know a few today. of those. I'm not a, personally a PK, but, but you know I know some. I know quite yeah. a few PKs. So yeah. I also was going to say before we get too far into the episode, I have a little on my whiteboard in my kitchen and I say this to my daughter all the time but it's like a little anonymous poem it goes if you think your job is small or your rewards are few remember that a mighty oak was once a nut like you (laughs) there you go you You guys should steal that and use that (laughs) for your Uh, well I definitely wanted to call a lot of our students nuts so if that's yeah that works I guess it works on many levels awesome (laughs) nice old you, you didn't even plan that, did no, you? No, no, not good. at all. Yeah, it was like you planned it. <laughs> very, very cool. So one thing, I mean, one thing. This is where I want to talk about identity here. But one thing, watching a lot of these interviews um, with the seals and ex seals, I should say, and uh, you know, Green Berets, all these special forces guys, like, and this is going to get right into what you guys do. But um, so I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, um, but one thing I took away from it is these guys, you know, are, are trained killers and they're the best at what they do. Um, their identity is that, that is, you know, for however many years they're in, like, and they put, I mean, they, they, they are completely sold out to this. This is what they do. So that is, that's where they find their identity is in that. And so when a lot of these guys, uh, retire and get out, they are like, their their identity that they've spent so many years um you know working towards now is kind of obsolete and right. no one needs trained killers like you know working at home depot or wherever you know <laughs> right well and, and the culture is different yeah. especially when you're yeah. deployed or even even stationed or training or whatever yeah. the you're in a very particular kind right. of culture and then you kind of come back to i guess the real world yeah air quotes there but yeah you know yeah exactly so a lot of these guys i'm watching i mean these are like like i'm just in awe like 
over like their accomplishments in the military and then they like you know a lot of them end up divorced a lot of them Mm -hmm. are suicidal a lot of them have had suicide attempts um because they (laughs) their identity is not in christ which you know we're going to get into but um and so i just kept noticing a theme with a lot of these guys and i was like man i'm i'm like you know kind of like like a giddy little schoolboy excited to like hear their stories and stuff and then you get to that point and it's like man they just need jesus <laughs> they just right. need jesus right which is totally what you guys are doing and that's why i'm so excited um so i'm gonna let you jump in there and just kind of run with it and then i'll yeah. i'll jump in later yeah so the the identity piece is huge a lot of um and we could talk about post-traumatic stress we could talk about post-traumatic stress disorder. Is it a disorder? We could we could have all of those discussions, but I'll tell you, a lot of the folks who attend our programs, whether it's the service member or the spouse, you know, and the spouses so often find their identity in being hmm. this the spouse of a service member. Right. Um, if that service member has been injured somehow, um, we see spouses who find their identity in being the caregiver. That's that's their whole identity. You know, they're not. Um, the mom and the wife now, they're a caregiver. And if you take that away from them, there are uh, real problems to their identity because that's what they're wrapped up in. And having a proper view of who you are changes your ability to deal with whatever the world might throw at you, whatever trauma, whatever difficulty, whatever trial, whatever experience you've had. And that's a huge issue. Most of the people, when you boil it down, who attend our program, uh, and and I don't I don't want to get into a, a fight with anybody over you know post traumatic stress or not or whatever. Yeah, sure. We could have that conversation too. But um, most of the people who attend our program, although they've endured trauma, they've experienced some some difficult things in their lives, or because of their service, what they're actually struggling with is the fact that they're no longer wearing the uniform, mm-hmm. carrying the rank, doing the job. They find themselves in an unknown world, whether they serve for four years or. 20 years, 30 years, doesn't matter. They find themselves in a place that they just can't relate to. And people don't just respect them because they walked into a room. Um, Who am I? What do I Mm -hmm. do? What does this mean? And so um, it would be best if you could go into the military and, you know, Christian young people do go into the military, understanding that your identity is not in a job. It's not in a rank. Mm -hmm. It's not in a uniform. It's not in a place that you've been. It's not in that stuff. Your identity is found in Christ. You were created by God for a purpose. Sin separated us from God. We're reconciled back to God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection. We are made a new creation in Christ. It's all about Jesus. And when we understand that our identity is in Jesus, that we were created then, Revelation 4.11, to give glory to God, that's the whole purpose, (laughs) then you may love your job or hate your job, but that doesn't change your own perception of who you are, how valuable you are, how much you have to contribute, et cetera. And so for us, we talk about all of this, you know, first in very broad terms and then in very specific terms. If there is a God, right? This is a big question, right? If there is a God and we believe there is, so this is day one of our program, this is day like, like hour one of our program. Mm-hmm. If there's a God and we believe there is, then there is design. If there's design, then we should understand what that design is and how it applies to us as individuals. And if we'll learn to align our lives, the things that we do, the thoughts that we think, um, you know, the actions of our lives, if we'll align to that created purpose, 
then we can move forward with meaning, with purpose, with value, having our identity in him instead of in the other stuff that's happened in our lives. That's very simple. We spent a week breaking that down. Um, but that's for anyone. Yeah. You know, you know, as a pastor, I would talk to parents whose kids moved out of the house. They say that the um, the time where divorce happens most often mm-hmm. is either within the first two years of marriage or the first two years after the last child leaves the house. Right. Well, why is that? Because the identity has shifted. The identity has changed. As parents, my identity is wrapped up in my kids. They're gone. Who am I now? Mm-hmm. If your identity is in Christ, then you continue to move forward in spite of that. Jobs, uh, layoffs, pandemics, uh, whatever. Um, if your identity is in Christ, these things may be inconvenient. They may be hard to deal with. They, they may have you know very real ramifications in our lives. I wouldn't downplay any of those things, particularly you know deep traumas and childhood traumas and those kind of things. Mm. But that's not who you are. Right. You're not that anymore. You are a new creation in Christ, and God has a great. Uh, plan for you as a new creation in Christ. Amen. Man, I love that so much. I mean, that's the basis of a lot of our addiction stuff that we've done, ministry to right. addicts and stuff, and it's the same basic principles. Um, well, I, I, one thing that uh, where I'm at right now, again, just with the, since this fall, getting to know a lot of guys that are still yeah in service, you know, talking to guys that are ha- have come out and stuff, like, um, I completely like amazed and uh impressed and encouraged by the guys um that have been in for a long time and and still the guys that are christians i mean and and their identity is christ like they've been able to maintain that um and like knowing the sort of things that i know now like it's just i'm totally praising god for that and so i was gonna ask you i mean like seems like you were able to maintain your identity in christ through your time in the service so like just um like like you got any like stories or anything like that that you know some some maybe obstacles you had or like trials you went through where you were like yeah. really like having to to fight to maintain that? So what's crazy is um, maintaining your identity in Christ. If you are a Christian, your identity is in Christ, right? Yeah. So that that's a settled fact. Now whether or not you always understand that is <laughs> sure. is the hard part. Yeah, I love the contrast between Romans seven and Romans eight, where Paul in Romans seven cries out, "A wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death?" And then in Romans eight, chapter one, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So, you know that contrast. And I think all of us kind of play back and forth in that. If if we're honest, hmm. um, I I. Two, two kind of answers to your question. One, I would say to the Christian in the military, for me, serving in the military as a Christian, I was raised in a Christian home. That doesn't you know, necessarily mean sure. that you're going to live right and be right. But I had parents that helped me to understand how to make good decisions. I had good influences in my life. And I, I made some decisions before I went into the military that helped me. And, and I tell people a lot, when you go into the military as a Christian, there's a very clear line. So people say it's so hard it's not any harder than you make it. There's a pretty clear line. Yeah. This is what Christians do. And this is what people who aren't Christians do. And so, you know, we talk about persecution and those things. Not everyone's going to love you for being a Christian. People don't always like it when you walk out. I get all of that. But for me, you know, in spite of people be, you know, making fun of me, et cetera, those kind of things, um, it, it wasn't hard. Now, the key is you have to be good at your job. So if you're good at your job and, and you stand on Christian values and principles, um, people will learn to respect that. So living and working in the military as a Christian, um, you know, I didn't 
struggle with that. Mm. I will tell you though, and this is back to the identity thing. When I left the Marine Corps, um, I was in Iraq leading Marines in combat. We, we were the Marine infantry battalion that breached the berm into Iraq. The first KIA of the war was one of our lieutenants. Uh, the Battle of Baghdad, Baghdad on April 10th, that was our battalion. We were mm. ambushed going into Baghdad in the middle of the night. Um, we had over 100 casualties. Uh, I mean, this was what I was doing. And then a month later, I was out of the Marine Corps working on a church staff. And wow. <laughs> um, and I could tell you that whole story of how that all happened, how that all went down. But um, I had already made a decision to get out. Nothing was going to happen. The war was going to end quickly. And then we ended up in Iraq. If you recall, in 2003 or 2002, yeah. we, were, we were in Afghanistan. Yeah. Iraq was kind of like a sideshow. <laughs> and then our battalion at the last minute was sent to Kuwait. And then, you know, everything else unfolded and happened there. So that wasn't supposed to happen. So I'd already decided to get out. My pastor had said, hey, I know you don't have any Bible training per se. You don't have a seminary degree. Um, but our church is growing. I could use someone with some leadership ability if you'd be interested in coming on, on board. So I said, sure. And then went to Iraq, came back. I had already put the paperwork in. I was, God worked in my heart. I believe I was doing the right thing. I transitioned out of the Marine Corps, doing a job I loved. The only job I had wanted to do since I was 14 years old. Um, I was an infantry officer because I wanted to be an infantry Marine because that's why you go into the Marine Corps. Mm. And if you're in the infantry, you want to go to combat, as weird as that might sound. That's what you train for. That's what you prepare sure. for. And that's what we did. And then I found myself trying to beg volunteers to clean the church on Saturday night yeah. and trying to get people to just do stuff. Right. And yeah. um, I would get super angry during church staff meetings. Like I thought everybody was an idiot. I just did not transition. Well, yeah. I had a really hard time, even though I came from a church background and right. a Christian background. Um, one thing about serving in the military, if you're doing it right, you're all in. And particularly in, you know, I would say the infantry world, in the Marine Corps for sure, special operations community for sure, you're all in. Everything about yeah. your life is about that job. Right. And so a month removed from combat operations in Iraq, I, I was completely lost. I mean, I was I was a wreck. I was a mess at home. I was angry all the time. I had two young kids. Um, a wife that loved me, thankfully, that she probably should have left, <laughs> but she didn't. And I, I'm very thankful for that. Um, while I'm working on a ch church staff, I'm at home, you know, throwing, throwing things and screaming at my kids and my wife. Mm. And it was a very, very difficult time. And people say, well, was it post-traumatic stress? Was it, it, it for me? I, I mean, there was probably some of that coming off of that experience, but for me, more than anything, it was a complete loss of identity. Like people just did not respect me, didn't understand who I was or where I had been or what I had done and how important it was. Um, and after about 11 months of that, my pastor, who had been my pastor before that experience, um, called me into his office and said, man, I love you, but this is not working. Mm. This was 2003, not a lot of conversations around combat trauma. He said, this is not working. I don't understand why I want to help you, but you need to go unless you figure this out. Wow. So this was a Friday. He said, we've got church on Sunday. You've got responsibilities. You need to be there. Monday, I want you and your wife to take off for a week. Um, at the end of that week, you can come back and, and tell me what you're going to do. And that was the first time I had really stopped long enough to even think. Uh, my wife and I drove up the California coast to San Francisco and talked for hours and hours and hours. We spent that week together. Mm. And I realized that identity was my problem. I was yeah. not that guy anymore. And God was doing a work in my heart and I needed to allow him to do that. 
And that's when I really, as an adult, began to align my life to the life God created me to live, you know, and we use phrases like that, but, but I don't mean that in a fluffy way. Like seriously, like God created me with purpose and there was something he wanted me to accomplish and do. And I needed to lean into that and stop looking over my shoulder and saying, well, maybe I should go back. And yeah, and, and it was again, through that process that I began to find my identity. I struggled for a while after that, but that's why I could relate so much so well yeah. to this identity conversation. Now, remove Jesus from that, remove a loving church yeah, family totally. and a loving pastor and a loving wife and you know, a loving extended family. I had all of those things. Remove all of that. I, I didn't abuse any substances. I wasn't that guy. I didn't drink. I mean, I, I didn't do those things. And I still struggled. Um, and we wonder why, you know, our men and women who are transitioning out of the military have such a hard time. They just don't know where to land. Right. There's no one telling them what to do. Right. Yeah, man. I appreciate that so much. Thank you for just being transparent. I, so I have a question just thinking through this. I, you know, I think I'm, I mean, I'm guilty of this. You know, I meet, we meet someone that, you know, served the military and what's the number one question people get, you know, well, did you kill someone or, you know, like they want to know like combat stories, you know? And I think for a lot of guys that probably is actually not helpful. Um, So my question for you is like, what, so say like I leave today and I go meet someone, you know, and then they're like, Oh, I just got it back from Afghanistan or whatever. Like what, what should we be saying? And what questions should we be asking these people that we meet that that's going to be helpful? What is it that they need that they're, that they're looking for? As a baseline, and I say this to Christian people a lot and to pastors a lot, a lot of pastors will reach out and say, I've got some military folks in my church. I don't know how to counsel them. What should I do? And I'll always say as a baseline, do whatever you would do with anyone else. We're all people. We have different experiences and different backgrounds and, um, you know, do whatever, whatever else you would do to care for someone who's hurting, uh, do that. I think what everyone wants is a relationship. They want to know that people care about them. Yeah. And you can't force transparent or realistic conversations. You, you just can't. And so it's creating opportunities to spend time with people, to be around them, to demonstrate that you care, and then to respond as they either talk to you, share a need, share a hurt, or you observe something in their family, something in their life. Um, often there's marital stress, yeah. you know, challenges with children. Hey, how can I help you with this? What what can I do to to help you guys work through this or navigate this? But it, it has to be um, predicated on a relationship. Yeah. And I think we try to jump to the help <laughs> before we jump right. to the I care about you as a person. Gotcha. I care about you. And I think when you ask that that you know, did you ever kill anybody or tell me about your time in the military or whatever? Um, that's a great question. It really is. It's an interesting question, but it's it's received as what you care about is what I did. Exactly right. Yep. And you 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 don't care about me at all. You right. have no idea what it's like to to experience what I've experienced. And whether they've experienced something traumatic or not, I think it's hey, where'd you come from? Where'd you grow up? Yeah. What caused you want to go into the military? Uh, what were some of the challenges? What were some of your favorite things? You know, and and let me get to know you and spend time with you. And um, once that happens, then the other conversations begin to open. Yeah. And, and I think just being a good Christian to people is is really the right place to start. Right on, man. You're no, you're exactly right. That's I I wasn't thinking that specifically, but that was the direction I was heading. Is you're right because the questions that when we ask those questions that I mentioned, like you're you're just pointing them back to that that identity that they're they're, right. they're wrestling with, you know. <laughs> right. And it's right. like you know, especially if they are a Christian, like you know, we want to encourage them in their identity in Christ. 
they're not a Christian, you know, we want to encourage them to turn to Christ. Uh, well, and especially right. potentially directing them to something like a very traumatic experience. Yeah. We, in our day-to-day lives, we don't, like when we ask the the grocery store clerk how they're doing, we're not like, what was the most traumatic thing you ever went right. through? And please tell <laughs> right. me about that. What's the worst thing you've ever experienced? <laughs> I'd love to hear about that. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's, That's right. And, and you know, everyone wants to share that stuff and, and some yeah. are more open than others. But they need to know they can trust you first yeah. and, yeah. you know, just let them do that in their own time, yeah. which is what we do with anyone else who came to our church. You know, we start by, hey, who are you? What's your name? What do you do? What's your job? Let me meet your kids and your family and get to know you a little bit. And then we'll go from there. Yeah. So, yeah. I know. I appreciate that a ton. So one other thing I was thinking is from watching a lot of these interviews, a lot, a lot of guys I'm noticing are getting into the DMT and um you know which kind of leads to this like oneness kind of we're one with nature right. one, even guys that i've heard where they're like we're raised in a church like in a baptist church and then you know they have a belief in god right and they believe in the god of the bible but then they get into this yeah. dmt stuff and then all of a sudden it's very like oneness i'm one with god sort of a thing like is that something you guys are encountering a lot like that kind of mentality or, or people that have gone through that yeah, that's, I mean, that's a prevalent mentality. There's a funny thing that veterans say when, when another veteran dies, they'll say something like till Valhalla, right? They'll, they'll make a statement like that. Maybe you've seen that somewhere, mm-hmm. but it's kind of wrapped up in this, this Norse mythology yeah. of the afterlife for the warrior and all of that. And I, I don't even think most people, when they say that, know what they're talking about. It's just kind of a, a thing they say, but, right. but there certainly is this idea that, um, yeah, the, the kind of the oneness idea, um, it's just a universalism. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, it's a humanism. Um, but with, you know, the drug use and that kind of thing, it's interesting. And and there's a lot of research and there are a lot of people investigating and working on it. And people who say that psychedelics and other things are helpful for post-traumatic stress. Um, you know, my answer to all those questions is you can mask the pain. You can, you can, you, you can use a lot of substances. We have people come to our program who through the VA have been um, prescribed more than 30 medications a day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like, so, so you can use substances and a lot of substances and some are natural substances. You can use those things to um, help you manage your anxiety and manage your depression and, you know, all of those things. Um, You can drink a bottle of, of whiskey and do the same thing. You know, there's a lot of things that you can do that can help but they're not dealing with the problem. Exactly. And unless you start with understanding who you are, unless you start with a, a, a genuine relationship with God through Christ, then all you're doing is masking a pain. Exactly and eventually right. that mask is going to come off. And so, you know, I could go on all day on that, um, but it has to start with the right foundation. And the right foundation for every person is that, um, you know, vertical relationship with God. Yeah. That's where it has to start. and beyond that, um, you'll notice that so many of the things that you're struggling with and dealing with, they just lose their grip on you. Now, when it comes to medication, and I know you didn't ask that, but, but medication is a big issue as well. Sure. Um, you know, some medications can be helpful to manage, you know, again, those things. And if they put you in the right mind where you can begin making good decisions, then they can be helpful, but they should never be an end. Exactly. And for many people, this is, this is the road. And they never ask the question of their physician, 
How long do I have to be on this? What are we accomplishing with this? Where are we going with this? It's just, well, this is what I need to do now for the rest of my life. And God didn't create us to live that way. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, again, I could spend a lot of time there, but it, it has to begin with an authentic relationship with our creator yes. because it's only in that that we can live to our creation. Amen, man. I appreciate that a ton. Um, so along those lines, one thing I was just thinking is a lot of the guys I heard talk about that specifically with the DMT, they've said, and you mentioned this earlier, like when you're in, they don't talk, you don't talk about your weaknesses, right? If you're struggling, you don't talk about that because, right. you know, no one, it's not a good thing to show signs of weakness, sure. right? Yeah, sure. Um, and so they don't talk about stuff. And so that's a big problem with a lot of these guys is they're like, we, we never talked about stuff, you know? So they're, they're saying that DMT is like the, uh, and I'm not asking you to speak on DMT, but um, like they say like, that's the gateway that allows them to just like open up and talk about stuff. So I'm just curious, what, what do you guys do? Like what method do you yeah. do? Where do you think is the most effective to get guys to yeah. like put down that, that wall and just be open and transparent? Yeah. It's exactly what, you know, what I started with talking about our program um, we have an environment. So a student comes to our program, they're coming to a ranch. It's unfamiliar in a place, you know, probably not near their house with a bunch of people they don't know. So the wall is, is definitely up. They're there for whatever reason they're there. Maybe their wife said, if you don't do this, I'll walk out. Maybe they've been searching for something, whatever the case they're there. And they sit typically <laughs> they've got the sunglasses on the hat down yeah. They don't want to make eye contact. They don't know anyone else in the room, but they're convinced that we can't help them. And they're the only ones who've ever experienced what they've experienced. Yeah. They're sitting in a room with 30 other guys. And one of the first things we do is say, well, we're going to go around the room, stand up, introduce yourself. This is your name, where you served. Uh, one interesting thing about yourself, if you want to. <laughs> and so, you know, right at the beginning, we talk or we, we present that everyone here has a similar background to yours. Maybe not the same. We'll get there but a similar background. Mm -hmm. Then the instructors begin sharing their stories. The most powerful thing we have as instructors in our program is our testimonies. So we teach classes on character. We teach classes on discipline and purity and uh, legacy and, and all of these things throughout the week. But every class is taught from a testimonial standpoint. So something like this, uh, I was sitting where you are. I heard this class and it changed my life. Here's why. Mm -hmm. This is my story. And as these transparent stories, stories of childhood sexual abuse, stories of, you know, marital strife and broken relationships, stories of drug and alcohol abuse, when these stories are shared and the solution is found in, and then, you know, I came here and, yeah. and God worked in my life and, and I began to I have begun to move forward. And when, when those stories are shared, the walls begin to come down because now you can see yourself in the person who's, gotcha. who's speaking. And then you're in this group of people who are very similar to you. They're going to call you out if you lie, cause they're going to know it. And um, there's nothing you can tell them that's going to surprise them. Yeah. Then after a class is taught, every student, every person is, is broken into a team. So they go out with their team of, you know, four or five other people. They have a facilitator who's also a graduate of our program who has military experience. Um, all of our instructors in the, on the men's side are, are combat veterans and they're sitting in this group now breaking down this thing with other people mm. very similar to them. You'd be amazed that at how quickly uh, they, these students open up because yeah. they're, they're comfortable again. Part of it is they're back in a familiar environment in a, in a weird way. 
around other military people. They, they yeah. kind of joke the same way and say the same stuff. <laughs> and, sure. and, uh, and it's just a familiar environment, but it's a very transparent environment. And that transparency is led from the front, from the student or from the instructors, yeah. from those who are teaching. And it's every single person. You don't teach in our program. You're not a part of our program if you're not willing to be uh, very honest and very transparent. Um, if we start on Monday, which most of our sessions do, then Thursday night or Thursday afternoon, we have testimony time. That's, okay. you know, that's church word. But yeah. uh, we explain to the guys, this is your opportunity to get up and tell your story. You have 20 minutes. <laughs> you can say anything you want. Don't do it at all. It's up to you. And um, man, the most powerful time of the week is sitting there for two or three hours, listening to these guys tell their stories Amazing. and saying things they've never said to anyone else. Um, being very honest and very transparent and, you know, do you need DMT for that? You don't, you need yeah. to be in the right environment with people who are willing to be honest with you yeah. and transparent with you yeah. and give you the space to do the same. And Jesus. And Jesus. That's it. <laughs> That's the whole thing. I love it. Yeah. You're just leading by example. I love it. Right. I love it a ton. Um, I'm going to, I don't, I don't want to get us off track, but I meant to ask you this earlier. And I just remember, do you know who Alan Cooper is? I don't think so. Oh, just curious. I just saw. I always get in trouble when I get asked those questions because I'm like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, I was just hanging out with him." There's a I picture saw... <laughs> on Instagram, and then I forgot his name. I saw an interview with the with him the other day. He was Marine Recon. He would have been right there in Iraq. They were they were like the first ones in when you were there. That's why I was just right. curious if maybe you'd run into him and all. But um, just curious. Um, what you got anything? You're looking at me like you're. No, I'm just taking oh. it all in. Um. Um, well, I guess I don't, well, I was going to say he definitely needs to like share where we can. Yes. I was going to get that. Yeah. And, okay. I um, figured you would though, but yes. Cause actually I have people in the comments asking where to right. uh, get yeah. stuff. So, um, before we well, go, it's definitely, it's a need, especially oh, totally. I feel like most people, they just, you mentioned the VA. That's kind of the one singular resource right. for people who need yeah. help that are veterans and, not that the VA is good for nothing, but um, I don't think they're pointing this, to you guys though. In this area, in <laughs> no, this area, not. it's a particular. It's lots of medication yeah. and uh, things that don't actually seem to be working all that well. Yeah, exactly. I just curious, how many uh, classes a year do you guys do? Uh, this year, twenty twenty two, right? That's that's where we are, twenty twenty two. I know, I feel um, the same. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have thirty five week long sessions. Wow. Um, yeah, so thirty five weeks across the country. Now we sp split our program. I'm sure you picked up on that. We have men's programs and, and women's programs. Okay. Uh, it's really hard to be transparent when you're not yeah. in a group of either men or women. And so five of our sessions are uh, women's programs or women's sessions, and the other thirty are. Okay men's sessions. It's just, you know, people are like, why don't you care about women? We have so many women that would like to come and we're continuing to build out that program, but it's kind of like basic math. There's just a whole lot more sure. men right. coming out of the military than there are women. So sure. um, we won't yell we're at you. To work on that. We won't yell yeah. at you for that here. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's a good segue then. So where can people uh, get a hold of you guys and use yep. this opportunity to share whatever platforms you want to? Awesome. So I'll share two. One is the most important one, the Mighty Oaks website, mightyoaksprograms.org, mightyoaksprograms.org. You can, of course, find us on all the social media platforms as well. Mightyoaksprograms.org. There you'll find an application. Um, fill out that application if you'd like to attend. If you know someone who needs to attend, send it to them uh, and a ton of other stuff. We have a tab on there 
called Watch, and it's just a ton of videos that we've produced or testimonials that we've recorded, and uh, that's proven to be a good resource as well. Other books and resources that you can find there. So MightyOaksPrograms.org, and then for anyone interested in just you know kind of stuff that I write, I have a blog and uh, some other information that I put out. I'm not smart, so I have to use my name, JeremyStallnecker.com. <laughs> JeremyStallnecker.com. You can find my blog. Um, we also put out a newsletter for our graduates, and uh, you can sign up for that. Anyone can sign up for that, but it's designed for our graduates, just with helpful things every week to, to think about, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, MightyOaksPrograms.org or go to JeremyStallnecker.com, and you can reach all of that from there, too. And you have a podcast now, too, correct? Yeah, we have a couple of podcasts that we do. Um, one is called The Situation Report on the Salem Radio Network. And then uh, I have a podcast. This one I interviewed Jeff okay. um, on my podcast called March or Die. And awesome. um, yeah, I'd love to uh, have anyone go check that out. Sweet. Too. We were on Salem once. We were. I think That's it's interesting. I think it's interesting, Jeremy, that you basically, your pastor asking you to like take a week, you kind of had your own version yeah, of right. Yeah, that's good. What you do now? It's funny. I've never had anyone say that, but you're, you know what? You're absolutely right. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And my wife was the primary instructor, right? And the Holy and the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, two great people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right, I mean, well, I know you have another interview you got to get to, so yeah, I'll I'll let you get off. I appreciate your time, man, and awesome. I'm excited to uh, finally be able to have this, and hopefully you know, have some sort of relationship moving forward where it's not just a one-off thing. And yep. I'm going to be sharing this episode in my uh, group thread with all my, my seals right after I get off with this. And, and uh, hopefully we can spread the word to some of these guys and get more guys help for sure. So awesome. Yeah. I appreciate it guys. Thanks for doing it. It's awesome. Yeah, man. Well, let's, let's do it again sometime. Awesome. All right. All right good. God bless, man. Thank you. Later. Well, that was fun. Yeah. I'm Great. excited. Yeah. Well, I mean, even just in the, usually our YouTube comments are just. Yeah, they're pretty, pretty mild are today. Insane, but it seems like a lot of people are very interested and yeah. consider this to be quite a resource. Which obviously, it's a huge resource. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, especially anything that uh is free of cost. Yeah. Of course, which it's. <laughs> let's be clear. It doesn't cost nothing. <laughs> to do the yeah we're not thing. socialists right <laughs> but um it still costs money but you yeah. can participate for free yeah no no i actually <laughs> saw someone earlier and i don't think that this comment was meant to be oh yeah i saw that too but they said the gospel should be free and right yes the gospel is free but uh but the lights aren't right yeah and the and the rental spaces and the food and the mm -hmm. travel like that right. costs money so. yeah um so yeah Man, what a what a cool show! I just I love love that guy a lot. I'm excited. Um, so yeah, um, next week, I well, we'll see. I have a possible guess. <laughs> oh, I have a possible gonna, guess, but I'm not. going to You don't want to speak too yeah. soon. Okay. Um, so uh, yeah. Um, once again, please be praying for our team in South Carolina this weekend at the rally. Pastor Jeff's there. Zach Conover's there. Our media team is there half of them anyways. Um, so mm -hmm. um, we'll be recording that rally. Pray for the, the work going on there. Thank you again to everyone. We talk about end abortion now this episode and we do depend upon everyone's uh, generosity and we are grateful for you partnering with us. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Same with everyone that's uh, supports Apologia studios. We can't do it without you again, these lights, cameras, all this costs money 
and so we're grateful. And um, as a reminder, we did re- we did have to move uh, ReformCon 22 to the end of October, but that uh, the registration page should be up very very soon. Hopefully within the next week, uh, it should be up. We'll announce it as soon as it's up. I know a lot of people have been asking about that, so be watch for that. Hopefully you can come and join us in the nice weather. We have a website October. for it, right? It's reformcon.org. Yep. Right, and it's been updated. At this the point. dates have been, yeah. yep. Okay, cool. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. That's uh, Stahlnecker. I just saw the question. Uh, S-T-A-L-N-E-C-K-E-R. Someone asked in the thing, so um so yes thanks thanks again everyone and um we'll see you next week see ya